0: Hey Halfling fans, Joey has prepared a special homebrew supplement for DMs and players alike with six pages of Halfling-specific additions like the Feral duskbright Tribe, the hin Wandermage Wizard subclass, and the Halfling Herb Pipe to spice up your favorite race of short stacks. Head on over to the link in this episode's description to get the Halfling Adventurer's Guide free for a limited time. Use the code HALFLING, all lowercase, that's H-A-L-F-L-I-N-G, to access the free download link at demystified.com slash P-W-I-E-P-8. Starting levels. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about choosing a starting level for your party. So most games, most video games, most everything starts you out at level one. It's kind of the default. D&D at level one is a particular kind of experience. And why would we follow that convention?
1: Right. So you're going to start at level one when you've got new players. Best way to start new players off level one because it has the fewest amount of decisions and there's not too much extra that they have to learn to jump into playing their character right away
2: it's also good if you're playing a game where you want the stakes to feel higher than they are you want it to be in a place where the stakes are world low but player-wise high because even the smallest mistake could be deadly right
1: i mean the story calls for it start them off at level one
2: there are story reasons for it you might pick
0: up a module or some sort of a campaign book that says level one heroes And it's kind of the default because it presents you with the fewest problems, the fewest choices to make, and it's a learn-as-you-go type thing. So as the players level up, that's when they learn the new skills, the new act. Why would you maybe want to jump higher?
1: I mean, if you recently finished a low-level campaign that maybe ended at level 5, you're Group doesn't want to start another low level game starting level one. They want to pick up where they left off at level five with the same characters or new characters, start a new campaign at the level they were at.
2: Right, right. Also, DD in its current form kind of pushes players to not want to start a level one because some of the major class choices don't come into play until levels two or three. So the players don't get the feeling that they can be the character that they want to be until they hit that point.
0: Right. A lot of martial classes and a lot of magic classes don't get their subclasses, which are really what define the flavor of a particular character, until level three.
1: Right, yeah, level three, that's where you get to make your big decision on who your character is or what they're going to be for most of them. The rogue, ranger, paladin, fighter. I know a couple get it at level two. Only a couple get at level one.
0: Clerics uh, and warlocks know what they're gonna be at level one.
2: But they still and sorcerers. The warlocks still get a major choice at level three. Right. But the clerics and sorcerers, I think, are the only ones that
1: all their major choices happen at level one. Yes. And the druid and the wizard get at level two Yeah.
0: Right. So the game is designed that for the majority of classes you get to spend some time with your character to figure out who they wanna be when they grow up.
2: Yeah. So that, that kind of pushes players who already know what they want to be mm-hmm. to not want to spend time at that pre-choice level. Right.
0: Okay. I also want to bring up that D&D has different feelings to it. And in the DMG, it says levels one to four, you are local heroes. So you are people who are maybe able to save a town. Levels five to 10, you are heroes of the realm, which means that you are fighting on behalf of dukes and kings. 11 to 17 means that you are fighting to save continents and maybe planets. And 17 to 20 is masters of the world, which means that, you know, you can poke gods in the eye. So Superman would probably be 11 to 17, maybe, you know, 17 to 20, depending on who's writing them.
1: But Spider Man, five to 10. In my experience, 5 to 10 is the sweet spot. That's where you're going to have most of the fun as a DM and as a player, in my experience. One
2: of the advantages of the different tiers, and it may sound arbitrary the way they broke it up, but it's kind of where some of the game mechanics happen to fall with the first couple of levels the amount that single character can do in a single round of action is very limited once they hit fifth level and again at 11th level and again at 17th level those are when the things that they can do in a single round drastically change
0: right the cliche is that a fighter or a monk at level 15 can do more moves in combat than an entire level two party in
2: a single round. That would make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a wizard at level five can decimate a group of enemies that an entire party at level one through four would struggle with. Right. Fireball. Well, not just fireball. Fireball is the, the, probably the biggest one. It is, of the spells, it is the most overpowered for its level. The game designers left it on purpose. They knew that, but they left it there on purpose because it's so iconic. The way they shift, the way the, the characters, and it, it all comes down to combat, really, for those, because... The out-of-combat abilities for the classes don't shift that much from from level to level, am I
1: right? Like, Well, uh, for spellcasters, it does change a lot as your spell levels go up. You start off only being able to put creatures to sleep, and then by 7th level, you can attack their dreams and completely change their perception of reality so yeah
2: yeah but i mean of the games i've had at like seventh or eighth level like players don't do too much of the mechanic stuff outside of combat they're more of like let's just rp it and roll some dice and skill challenges and the skill levels don't shift too much
0: well you would you would think that but having rolled into a level 10 campaign yeah it is very different because i have Plus nine to some of my proficiencies. And those can include things like passive insight and yeah. passive perception.
2: Yeah. They become better at those things, but those are still like skills based stuff. It's not like a huge mechanical. But combat really shifts at those stages. And I think that that's where the biggest tier changes.
0: It feels like that at a certain point, your party becomes equipped to fight armies.
1: Yeah, it gets a little harder to uh, challenge the parties at higher levels. And one a good way to raise the stakes is put the party in situations where fighting their way out of it isn't going to help them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: they're trapped in the more traditional skill checks, where even though they have a plus nine, you can balance that with the DCs. And and disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So jumping levels is harder for the players because it's harder to build the characters. They're making a lot more decisions that would instead be made along the way. And you're having to make, at level 10... A whole bunch of decisions about who your character
2: is going to be, but also who they have been as well. I will say, not a lot of players talk about it because from the player side. Jumping into a mid-tier campaign where your character is more than five levels in, you don't know what the game is going to be like. like you might have an idea for your character, like, oh, I want him to do this. I want him to be able to do that. I want him to, to act in this way. But you don't know what the group interaction is going to be or the campaign interaction is going to be. So some of those decisions you have in your head may not work. And if you had been started at low level and built up, you would have never come to those decisions.
0: Right. But on the flip side, there are certain classes that in order to optimize for level 5 or 6, you might have to make some decisions that would be suboptimal at level 3. The ranger has choices at level 3 that don't really pay off until level five so if you're never going to get level five then there are just certain subclasses and certain feats certain martial types that are just not viable
1: well it's important to know what the level range is going to be for a campaign when you're going into it as a player
2: and it's, it's good as a dm to discuss that with your players where do we want to start where do we want to end how long do we want to play for I think we mentioned it in a previous episode of like discussing how long you're planning on playing for, like either a month, three months, having a finite start and a planned completion. You can always change the completion, but if you have a planned completion, it helps give the players an idea of of where they're going to go.
1: I think a good starting point, if you have players who are familiar with the game who want to build characters that are complete, a really good starting point, I think, is level three with a feat starting off. Gives you a lot of options and choices to help develop the character that you want.
0: Because Those feats can be really useful when combined with, with backgrounds. I remember it was a game that Zoff DM'd recently where I broke a couple of his skill challenges just by picking the investigator background with the Mastermind Rogue class. Because it lets you bypass the gatekeepers to a crime scene
2: yeah and something very similar happens if someone picks outlander background it basically eliminates a tier like a section of the survival part of the game you no longer have to search for food you, you're you in a place where there's food you find food for six people mm-hmm. and that's something if if a dm is okay with it and they should be you know let the player be excellent at this thing if a player wants to do it they could find a way to use that stuff if they know about it ahead of time and feats can drastically Change the way some of the game mechanics work.
0: Yeah, so that's a good starting point. The other questions are gear, where the DMG has some, I think, pretty arbitrary gearing rules or steps where it says from what one to three or one to four, you all get the same starting gear.
2: It kind of matches up with the tiers, right? They say like if you're starting in tier one, they start off with the starting equipment. If right. they're in tier two, give them this. The level of item plus their starting equipment and then plus extra gold.
0: Right. And if your players are adventuring and you're dropping loot like the loot table, by the time they're level four, they're going to have a whole lot more than just the starting equipment, which could be kind of a cheat or it could be a way of increasing the starting difficulty as a dm if you say start at level four but not five
1: you can give the starting players magic items to start with or let them start with equipment other than the starting gear that's totally fine
2: one thing that i i like to do told the players like character advancement is going to be slow but you're going to find a lot of gear so depending on how you use the gold or items that they find it can allow the players to gain the power that they want without changing too much of the levels of what's going on. They're still limited in hit points. They're still limited in spell slots, hit dice. So that level of difficulty is still there, but they get all of the special stuff that comes with the gear and they can still feel powerful. But 5e is basically designed where you could ignore magic items and the players get so much power from their class that they're still able to compete because When you
0: have a plus six to your weapon stat, your attack rating, a plus two weapon isn't that special.
2: It helps. But it's not like fourth edition where if you did not give them magic items in fourth edition, the players would literally all fail and die.
0: Right, Where the challenge rating was assuming properly geared.
2: And not only that, like their scaling was such that if they didn't get the gear for their level, it would decimate them. It's not like it would just be a little bit harder. They could basically get to a point where they could not beat their enemies, period.
0: In MMOs, there's this weird progression thing where you start off doing one damage and then you get a couple of levels later, you start dealing 10 damage and then you start dealing 100 damage. And by stepping up on that kind of logarithmic chart, that it really keeps you in the level appropriate settings, the areas because every step up is an order of magnitude it takes 10 times as long to kill and you need to tank 10 times as much enemy whereas D, the scaling is a lot more linear it's a lot more gradual where it is forgiving in terms of not keeping up like granted i mean level 15 characters are way more powerful than level 5 characters but it's not Quite to the same degree as like World of Warcraft, or where that ten level difference is the difference between being grounded to a paste instantly and coming out on top.
2: I mean, realistically, a DM who has the time and forethought and ability to plan ahead and wants to could decimate a party of higher level players, yeah, with very low level enemies. Action economy is real.
0: If you want to make the players feel like gods. Give them a single high CR enemy that doesn't have too many actions. If you want to make them feel like that they are absolutely nothing, send in a horde of kobolds or zombies. Three, five. The house cat was notorious because it had so many attacks. And if a couple of those attacks landed and their effects landed, then the player was incapacitated and essentially killed. So like a cat could get in there and just kill a player in a single turn. (laughs)
2: i don't know anything about that but that sounds hilarious
0: yes i've seen that used judiciously and it is absolutely hilarious because it's just a cat i mean i have (laughs) cats they're not that scary they're cute and fuzzy well my
2: cat's scary
0: yeah your cat's scary (laughs) i wanted to speak briefly about why you would kick off a level 15 or a level 17 or a level 20 campaign why would you do that and what would your players get out of it and how long would that campaign run for
1: I wouldn't do that. I don't think I would do that. I mean, why would you start at the end? Unless you're doing like some kind of battle royale type deal. Maybe that kind of game is for some people, but I don't think that's it sounds very difficult.
2: I have done it as a like a kind of a a one shot, like a short, we're gonna play like four or five sessions of this you're a level fifteen character, you're doing this one thing. Some of the advantages of it is that a lot of players almost never get that high Mm -hmm. so they don't know what it's like to have level 15 or level 18 character for them it's an opportunity to take this theory crafted character that they've dreamt about in their time of playing and say well what is it really like it's a short-term campaign it's like i said it's it's either one session or it's a handful of sessions where they get to really just pull out all stops as a player it's a lot of fun because you know like this character's low stakes I didn't spend 20 levels on this character. I didn't spend six months playing this character, getting attached to them. If this character dies, which is very unlikely because they're level 17 and they're basically walking gods, right. it won't break my heart. But I get to see like this ability that I've been eyeing it since level two at the end of the character progression that I was like, man, that's so cool. They get to see it in action. And spells. Yeah. Yeah, I finally get the cast Wish, or whatever.
1: <laughs> I think starting at a high level like that is a real great opportunity for player to go into a game not knowing anything about how their character plays and forget everything that they can do in the middle of <laughs> oh, combat.
2: Oh, that 100% happens, and it is a giant cluster. The first couple rounds of the first combat or two, they're just like, oh, man, I totally forgot this interaction was possible. Oh, my God, I forgot about this ability. But... By the end of it, they're still like, man, that was so cool. I remember I did this thing. Now, of course, it's not going to be as cool as if they got there, but there are a lot of players that don't ever make it past level 10, and they've never seen this ability that they, they see that sounds so cool ever
0: used. Right. There are certain classes that are defined by their level
2: 11 upgrade. One of the key things about the fighter is his he gets so many extra attacks than everyone else. Everyone else, they get the two attacks, maybe a bonus action. The fighter, when he's at level 17, he gets four plus bonus action if he's dual wielding. If action you, surge. Yeah, and action surge, you can do it again, so you're getting nine. Yeah. But if you stop at level 10, you never see more than two. That's right. basically every other martial class.
0: So the fighter doesn't start being special until... Level eleven, and the wizard
2: doesn't stop getting shoved into lockers until level fifteen. Well, I mean they're pretty scary in the middle levels too. Anything above five, when you're like, take out the wizard,
1: right? Well, I mean once the wizard gets to level three, they can misty step out of the locker. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know that's for why why some of the people like to play those higher level ones is because they get to see things. But again, as as Joey pointed out, you get a lot of that stress of like sitting down and having not knowing all of your abilities out of practice right right and that it can cause combat to really drag and and act not as much fun okay so there's drawbacks
0: all right so that was another one demystified
2: yeah i think we got that one
0: Uh uh-huh got it in one This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is Demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle at Pickled Wizards or ask on Facebook at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.